How are we doing, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, I am your host, Josh, and I'd like to say thank you so much for stopping by. Today we got a little bit of a short one, only just because I decided to hit record a little bit later than I normally would on my drive to work, but I'm hoping to be able to make up for it in the fact that this isn't a necessarily complicated topic, other than the fact that it does take, you know, a little bit of a deep uh, conversation to understand the complexities of this topic. Um, The idea that uh, what we normally consider uh, intersectionality uh, versus the idea of a class struggle aligned on a basis of uh, similarity and uh, connected exploitation and oppression. Um, This is a topic that I and other people have been, you know, developing a conversation on for some time. Many people who I have learned from have really laid the groundwork and done such incredible, uh, you know, work to release uh, books, to release content, to, uh, you know, write articles on places like Black Agenda Report, uh, discussing how intersectionality, as it is commonly viewed in a liberal framework, oftentimes leads to a few different complications that ultimately take us away from a more revolutionary politics and also takes us away from the organization and unity that is necessary to take down the structures and systems that are upholding this system. Because unfortunately, as we, uh, you know, continue on through the struggles that we are facing here in the United States and all over the world, One thing that I am, uh, you know, constantly witnessing here uh, in the West is just this fact that, like, so there's quite a few people who are now becoming a little bit more involved and willing to call themselves socialist, communist, etc. And that's dope because the ideas of socialism, the ideas of Marxism, the ideas of struggle and of class uh, unity are becoming more prominent, they're becoming more widespread, and they are becoming more available to the average person, whether that be on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, or through, you know, one of the amazing organizations like the Red Nation, or uh, Troika Collective, uh, Red Condor Collective, plenty of other groups like Foreign Language Press, uh, Comrade Reads, who put out information, news reports, and uh, content books that are able to be read, translated from different languages, and, uh, you know, able to be listened to for ease of access. I recently just bought um, the first copy of the selected works of Ho Chi Minh from Foreign Language Press. Uh, I'm so excited to read it. Uh, So, you know, this is the reason why I am able to have the information that I have. Um, I would like to preface this conversation with the fact that I am white. um, And, uh, you know, I have done a lot of deep diving to try to research a lot of these issues because coming from the background that I come from, there is absolutely no reason why any of these ideas would have been given to me by my parents 
by my teachers, by my, uh, you know, pastors, etc. I wouldn't have really learned much about uh, black liberation. I unfortunately didn't learn a whole lot about the ongoing enslavement and oppression of uh, black and brown and indigenous people here in the United States, but also across the world. And I especially did not understand the interconnectivity between the different struggles that do happen all over the world uh, and one another and how they all unite and combine uh, under capitalism in the sense that they ultimately all very often find their origin of oppression based in capitalism or if not, you know, if you want to argue that it's not directly in capitalism, it is probably in colonialism and imperialism, which cannot and should not be disconnected from the origin, uh, the economic mode of production that developed them, which is capitalism. Um, But anyway, so I've been able to do a bit of educating and I have gotten myself to a point where I understand that the way that we have to unite and struggle together between different communities and groups of exploited and oppressed people here on Turtle Island and across the world is through a deep study of one another's struggles through a historical analysis and a materialist uh, and concrete uh, dedication to uh, coming to concrete conclusions about ultimately what is causing this continued oppression. Now, of course, we can say capitalism, we can say com, uh, or we can say capitalism, we can say colonialism, we can say uh, imperialism, we can say neoliberalism. But a lot of these things we also have to understand have a force which upholds them. That is, of course, the economic base of capitalism that perpetuates these issues forward. But it is also the ruling class individuals, the capitalists, the industrialists, the military officials, the oil executives, uh, the board of directors for Amazon, uh, Apple, all these different corporations like CGL, Enbridge, ExxonMobil, Shell Oil. These are the main forces behind the continued status quo, uh, as well as the reactionaries among the working and oppressed people who become convinced of their own, uh, hmm, how do I want to say this? Folks who fall victim to capitalist and imperialist propaganda and rhetoric oftentimes convince themselves that they are lesser than solely because of their net worth, because of their ability to work, or because of their ability to afford the things that they were told their whole life that a well-to-do person is supposed to afford like a house, a car, uh, Christmas presents, come holiday time. These are all difficulties that we're struggling with, and a lot of us begin to feel down on ourselves when we can't uh, get to the levels that the American dream rhetoric has told us we were supposed to get to since the day that we were born in this nation, Um, if we were born in this nation. If we weren't, you know, since the day that we started having to go to public school, probably. Um, But anyways... um, Because of this, we ultimately have a lacking and ignorant mindset when it comes to the struggles of black folks, when it comes to the struggles of Latino and Chicano, uh, Latinx uh, 
folks, immigrants and others who come from countries, uh, folks who are constantly referred to as brown, right? But because of the immense racism that exists in this nation, we base the origin, the identity of another person on the color of their skin as we see it. That is how folks in the United States have clarified and uh, really been able to designate different groups as such through the color of their skin. In a lot of cases, not even from their national or ethnic background. Uh, You know, most brown Hispanic people are uh, passively referred to as Mexican. Um, A lot of uh, brown uh, folks from West Asia are passively referred to as Arabs or Muslims. And uh, without any kind of, you know, dive into these people's individual lives, um, not any kind of analysis of where they came from, not kind of any analysis of any concrete factual evidence as to why one might refer to them as such, other than the fact that, you know, that person can look down at the other person's arm and say, well, that's darker than my, my arm. And when people have darker arms than mine, this is what, you know, my folks, the books, the TV stations, all refer to them as. So that's what I'm going to refer to them as. Um, a lot of the names we hear uh, in my area, this, you know, might uh, connect for some folks. A lot of the store, like the names of the, the corner stores that we, we hear uh, are all racially motivated. Like, it's like we're Afghani or excuse me, uh, it's like we're in Afghanistan and, uh, you know, we're having to listen to soldiers and army officials name these places. That's, they're referred to as oftentimes as two very offensive former slurs that, uh, you know, the U.S. military would commonly use against people in these regions. So, anyways... Indigenous people as well continue to suffer here on Turtle Island because of the ongoing misinformation campaign, which we cannot disconnect from the genocide and extermination that has been going on, uh, that has been being conducted by the U.S. Empire against black, brown, and indigenous peoples. Uh, And all of this clearly goes misunderstood by a huge portion of the white population even a huge portion of the non-white population who uh, is isolated, who is sub- uh, subjected to propaganda and misinformation, and who ultimately, uh, you know, time and time again, uh, has to take into account what they can do to make sure that they themselves are safe, that they themselves are secure and protected, and that they themselves do not fall uh, victim to the other forms of abuse that are quite constantly perpetuated against uh, non-white people here on Turtle Island and across the world. And so, you know, the ideas of intersectionality become pretty attractive to people who have lived in a society built on racism like Turtle Island, like the 
U.S. empire has been. Um, because ultimately, this is their first real look at a politics or at a organized uh, grouping uh, that puts, I mean, plain and simple, the, the real thing that it only does if we're talking about real liberal, uh, you know, intersectionality, all this often does is put black folks with white folks or put, you know, immigrants with, uh, you know, some white folks or put some indigenous people up there with some white folks. But it's like you keep the white folks who are doing the same shit and you just place them next to or in a vicinity of you know, these marginalized communities and you consider these people, you know, non-racist, you consider them to be, uh, quote, woke, and you consider these organizations, these uh, structures, these forms of intersectionality as, like, actually, like, radical and revolutionary when they're not. You know, unfortunately, the simple act of allowing black, brown, and indigenous people to speak uh, in places where historically white people have spoken for them or completely uh, spoken against them, uh, that's not necessarily revolutionary by any means. That's just kind of like doing the bare minimum that uh, has been happening for everybody else. So intersectionality oftentimes comes down to this bourgeois idea of representative politics, like putting Kamala Harris, the cop, as the vice president or uh, Barack Obama, one of the uh, U.S. empire's most prominent war criminals, the developer and the uh, real mind behind AFRICOM, one of the most, uh, the deporter in chief, as he was once called, as well as somebody who has put more drone bomb strikes in the Middle East than just about any other president in recent history. So uh, this is representative politics for you. Now, I'm sure a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of folks might already understand this, that, yeah, okay, white guy, look at you go. You know that sometimes black folks, brown folks, and indigenous people are not all the same. Look at you go, white guy. Isn't that, you know, real incredible of me? But the overall point I'm trying to make is not only is it good enough to understand this, we have to put something up against this. If we have a politics such as intersectionality, which is becoming so prominent among the average person, because like folks who are a little bit younger than myself coming into their late teens, early 20s, and uh, right around my same age as well, a lot of us are becoming politically aware. I wouldn't call us politically conscious, and I wouldn't call us politically active. But I think a lot of people my age, uh, you know, college students, uh, retail workers, minimum wage employees, people who really have served as the brunt of this pandemic. You got frontline healthcare workers, you got nursing home uh, workers, you got all kinds of individuals who um, really suffered throughout this pandemic who have suffered over the last few decades due to, you know, economic downturns, war, uh, familial issues, a lack of health care, etc. Um, 
And it has led to them becoming aware, at the very least, that something is fucked up. Bernie did that. Some other people did that. Where they basically just said enough to get people looking at things without really understanding, in fact, that, like, okay, now we also have to do something. Like, we also have to take practical steps towards changing that reality. But, yeah, more on that in a second here. The way in which liberalism offers an attempt to correct this uh, need for action, to correct the pre-existing conditions as they exist in order to uh, begin developing anew, uh, usually comes with this idea of, you know, transitional change through stages of, you know, incremental uh, steps and uh, movements in the right direction. We don't really want that. Um, You know, I personally stand for full uh, revolutionary politics. I believe that uh, black, brown, and indigenous people deserve today what they have deserved for the last 500 years. That is humanity. That is autonomy. That is freedom and liberation. And this can only come through a fell swoop of black, brown, and indigenous people joining in arms and in action with those who will stand alongside with them to fight for a new reality. Not ask for it, not try to pass legislation, not simply just stand outside of government buildings and plead, but do all of that, as well as build militant organizations, as well as develop clinics and breakfast programs, as well as running for elected office, as well as challenging local judges who have sat in those chairs for 30 plus years, combined with also all sorts of community outreach work. This is what we really need to be trying to develop today. We have to find ways to develop what might be known as international solidarity. Now, we might not oftentimes think of Black, Brown, and Indigenous people here on Turtle Island as international compatriots because, well, we're within the same land barrier. But in fact, as has been attempted uh, throughout the years by all sorts of organizations, the understanding of these groups of people as different uh, constituted nations of people is one way in which folks like Harry Haywood um, and plenty of others have tried to develop the theories of, for example, Uh, the Black Belt Theory or the uh, Black Colony Theory. Um, You got folks like George Jackson and others who saw that, in fact, you know, even within the prison, white people had to find ways to align with black people, not simply just because, okay, we're, you know, we're trying to get rid of racism, but in a way that race gets covertly how do I want to say this? Race takes on a more revolutionary understanding rather than just a liberal one. 
race is not simply the color of one's skin. Race is how one's uh, own uh, culture, existence, and uh, lifestyle is uh, going to be affected because of the overarching racialized system. Race developed as a part and parcel uh, exploitative tool of the capitalist system. If it could convince half of the world, the white half of the world, or whatever percentage uh, white people make up of the world, that non-white people were in fact non-human, then it not only would have its own way in the world, but it would have a massive amount of supporters who at the drop of a hat would go on and take all kinds of violent actions against these groups of people like lynch mobs, like uh, raids in Tulsa and other places in, uh, you know, the joining of groups like the Proud Boys or the Ku Klux Klan. All of this is underwritten into our society because it was based on the oppression of people through the use of their, you know, racial uh, uh, identity as uh, developed and point, you know, really made poignant by the U.S. empire. If none of that really made sense, it's because I didn't really say it in a fantastic way. Ultimately, my point is, is this. We can't view things in the uh, metaphysical, liberal light that the mass media and propaganda outlets want us to. We do not need to get up and applaud someone like Eric Adams in New York City, the new mayor who has explicitly called for the reopening of solitary confinement in Rikers Island, who was explicitly participant or was an explicit participant in last year's protests by the police officers where they were shouting, bring back the box. This is the new mayor of New York City, not Kathy Rojas, the party for socialism and liberations candidate who was calling for a closing of Rikers and other uh, you know, federal, state, and privately run prisons on principle against the idea of this enslavement and imprisonment of black, brown, and indigenous people as a majority. But then, you know, someone like Kathy Rojas, who has those politics, would not turn around and celebrate Eric Adams as uh, you know, a mayor of New York City because he happens to be black. That just seems illogical, right? Um, it's not necessarily correct that every person of this or that racial, ethnic, or national minority is aligned in all things as those who uh, come from similar backgrounds. Um, you have black folks who are conservative. You have uh, indigenous people who join the military. You have white people who, uh, you know, leave their families and 
try to become solidarity workers. You have also white people who founded the Ku Klux Klan and just about every other, you know, racial hate group uh, and domestic terrorist group. So in this case, we understand that intersectionality, the idea that representative politics in and of themselves are uh, revolutionary enough to change the material reality that we're facing. We know this isn't true. We know this isn't true because if we look historically, this has been tried time and time again. One of the most explicit examples of true revolutionary politics here on Turtle Island come from the post-Civil War era during Reconstruction, when Black folks all across the South began to take power in their own hands through becoming elected uh, officials, through becoming police chiefs, and through becoming uh, armed, you know, roving guards of formerly enslaved people who had fought in a war, and they weren't going to let you enslave them anymore. Um, all of this, unfortunately, however, stood uh, quite tall in the face of uh, white supremacy, uh, U.S. imperialism and colonialism, as well as the capitalist system that was based on the exploitation and enslavement of the four million uh, black people who were stolen from their country and brought to Turtle Island as uh, you know slaves. So people are not just going to fight in the Civil War and then turn around and go, all right, cool, I'll just be on my way back to the field. Like the Civil War in a lot of cases was, uh, I don't just mean the war itself, I mean the period and time in which it was going on. It was turbulent in a way that allowed for a lot more courage, a lot more action, and a lot more desperation so that people all over this nation really did what they needed to do in order to free themselves. Nobody needs to be talking about what Abe Lincoln or the North did for black people because you know what they did before? Enslaved them or at least allowed the South to do it and made millions of dollars off of the industry. So unfortunately, the reality is this. We have to take it a little bit further than just being able to say, well, I have black friends. And so because of that, if we want to actually develop a uh, movement here on Turtle Island that is not simply non-racist, but anti-racist in a revolutionary fashion. I'm talking anti-racist like Huey P. Newton. I'm talking anti-racist like Angela Jackson, or Angela Davis, Jesus, George Jackson, um, and plenty of others who have really made clear to white people, this is what being anti-racist is. Nothing less. You don't get to go around and just not be a racist piece of shit and call yourself an anti-racist. You don't get to just not say the N-word and say, see, I'm pretty fucking cool. You have to like take practical steps in your day-to-day -day life to eliminate the system of racial oppression that really has not necessarily gone anywhere since the Civil War. It has only changed its form, but its essence is the same. 
it's still white people dominating over non-white people. It's still well-to-do people dominating over poor people. Still, exploiters dominating the exploited. So because of that, if we want to develop a movement here in the United States that is capable of eradicating the system that perpetuates this continue, continued racism, this continued abuse, and this continued class collaboration with the ruling class elites that continuously stoke the flames that convince us that, in fact, we cannot align with one another, that convince us, in fact, that some of the things that have been told to us about these groups of people are true. We cannot allow for these things to come into our minds and to take hold. We have to know that the ruling class is lying. We have to know that the ruling class is doing this to continue the oppression, not just of black people, but of all people who will allow the oppression of black people to continue here in the United States. But combined with that, we have to understand that indigenous people have suffered far greater than so many people still to this day even are willing to acknowledge. Indigenous people, to the extent that the average person knows them to be, are extinct in a lot of cases. The way in which the media has portrayed them since the era of John Wayne movies has been that of a historical group of people. Not a group of people who, like the Red Nation says today, is nowhere uh, it, it has not gone anywhere, is what I mean to say, is, is not going anywhere and is going to keep fighting for true liberation. Not liberation in words, not liberation in this idea of the United Soviet Socialist States of America, not unity in the conception that has come from liberals and conservatives alike, but unity on the basis of class struggle. Unity on the basis of eliminating the capitalist and imperialist system that exists here in the United States that is destroying the lives of black, brown, and indigenous people all over the world. We need an internationalist movement. We need a movement that takes the sentiments of every oppressed minority, of every group of people who suffers under the capitalist system seriously studies the complexities, the difficulties, the differences, and the developments that led to this certain form of oppression, as well as a concrete study of how to align with the individuals who are fighting for their own liberation in support in order to help them lead towards a place where they can fight for their own space, fight for their own existence, fight for their own right to live, while also not fighting against the right for other people to live. We have to understand that intersectionality, the idea of class struggle, are different inherently on foundational principles of revolutionary politics and class struggle. We have to understand that intersectionality based solely on representative politics is a bourgeois lie. We have to understand that representative pro uh, politics, representative legislation that allows for the woes of people to become aesthetics, to become commodified, to become, uh, you know, ultimately nothing more than just another talking point for politicians. We have to understand that grassroots base building movements where you go door to door, 
where you hand food out to homeless people, where you go sit on the side of the road and talk to whoever comes by, where you go and do a car wash or where you go and do a testing center or where you go and do a community fridge and a community garden or where you go and teach self-defense or teach domestic uh, self-defense or teach, you know, about the vaccines or teach food sovereignty or teach, uh, you know, anything. If we are going to do this, we have to do it militantly. We have to do it with a grassroots ideology based in the theories of revolution and class struggle. Because unfortunately, the previous ways in which unity has tried, been tried between different groups of people, not only here on Turtle Island, but also across the world, have not led to fruitful gains. Some of the most explicit examples might be the Rainbow Coalition, among many others, which really took into account the fact that each one of these people is suffering oppression. Each one of these people is exploited under the capitalist system. Each one of these people is exploited under the class society system. But each one of them is oppressed and exploited in certain circumstances for certain reasons and in certain ways. And so if we do not dedicate ourselves to a deep study of this, if we do not give these groups and individuals the ability and the support they need to fight their liberation struggle, then in fact, we are fighting against one another and we cannot allow the capitalist system to convince us that we must compete with one another any longer. We cannot do it. We will not do it. And I say quite clearly, intersectionality will not be the thing that changes this. The idea that just because a black brown or indigenous person stands around you that you know enough about those people's struggles to speak for them does not compute. The idea, in fact, that simply fighting for what white people have wanted, simply fighting for what privileged people want, simply fighting to continue the system of imperialism and oppression of the global south the way that it is so that white people here in the United States can get health care, can get free education and others is not enough. It does not compute. It is not revolutionary. We need a revolutionary mass movement that is intent on freeing every single person from their chains that exist under capitalism. We have to be building a movement based on revolutionary politics that says this capitalist system, this dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, this ownership by the capitalist class of everything and anything that anybody could ever need to live their life safely cannot continue any further because it is destroying the planet. It is destroying the lives of millions and billions of people worldwide. It is leading to the division between groups of minorities and oppressed people who should instead be aligning together and fighting uh, for unity, fighting for revolution, and fighting for liberation. Intersectionality, the idea of representative politics, is a liberal uh, ruse. It's a liberal piece of propaganda that is meant to convince people that words and words alone are enough to change the material reality. We don't need words. We need action. We need revolution. And we need an end to the capitalist imperialist system today. For people all over the world, not just here in Turtle Island, we need an international movement now. If you're still listening, thank you so much. I hope you are well. Please take all of what I said to heart, get involved, get organized, stop listening to this podcast and go email some people, go talk to your friends, go try to get some food and hand out to homeless people, buy some blankets and clothes and do the same. Um, read some you know, revolutionary theory and bring it to your friends who want to do something in your area and tell them that, listen, if we want to do something, we got to do it right. 
we got to do it correctly and we got to do it in a way that's going to lead towards concrete changes for people who have concrete conditions that they are suffering under. Because this is not a uh, fairy tale. This is not a romanticized hero movie or action film. This is real life. This is a dialectical process of struggle that will lead towards the freedom and liberation of exploit and oppressed people worldwide. But only if we do it correctly, only if we develop it together, only if we fight for revolution, and only if we wage the class struggle with one another for each other. Long live the people. Long live revolution. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Peace.